what I find that as we look through the book of Acts, we see that God calls people, men and women, into deeper levels of serving him. And into what we might term the ministry. In Acts 1.8, Jesus told his disciples, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This promise and call here is for all believers. That through the promised Holy Spirit, we will be empowered to be witnesses who testify about Jesus Christ, our Savior. And we also know that there is a need for men and women who will do the work of the ministry. They work in the church and in organizations who build up the body of Christ. Because, let's face it, we all need help in our walks with the Lord. We need that help as we are looking to be transformed into Christ's likeness. People whose main life trajectory or goal is to minister the gospel to people, to pastor them and guide them into transformed lives where they become more and more Christ-like. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 9, 37 and 38, that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We simply need to consider the state of the world around us. And we see that we need the Lord to be at work. And we need people who will be part of that plan to transform the world and transform people's lives through Jesus' work in us. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are vitally necessary. And we should be praying for laborers to work in the kingdom and in the church And we should be excited when people begin to follow that call in their lives. That God is calling someone to be a part of that work that he wants to do, wherever it might be. And Paul emphasizes this, that it's a gift. He says in Ephesians 4, 11 and 13, that he, Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds or pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the status of the fullness of Christ. Paul emphasizes this as a gift that laborers are given to the church and that they have a purpose. The church needs men and women who will work continually to equip the saints to minister in their spheres of influence, and to build up and strengthen the body of Christ. And as we look at this need and we see that God raises up men and women to do the work of the ministry, I think the book of Acts gives some great insights into this call to ministry. Whether it be full-time ministry, whether it's bivocational ministry, or whether it's greater involvement in the church. One observation from the book of Acts is that the call of God can come at any time, at any place, and in any way. So to help us see this, I want you to take your Bibles and your phones or tablets, if you have them, and go to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 is where we're going to start, and I'm going to just tell you in advance, we're going to be looking at several scriptures this morning, and so just be ready to flip uh, from from passage to passage. But Acts chapter 9 is where we're going to start, And through these examples, I think we're going to see that there is not a one-size-fits-all method 
for God to call individuals into ministry. But let's start with Acts chapter 9, and we're going to start right there at verse 1. And we're going to read just a, a somewhat lengthy passage of Scripture. It says, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asking him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And we're going to stop there. Here I think we see a pretty dramatic call to ministry. And I would tend to say this is on the more unusual side, but Saul, who was not even a follower of Jesus at this time, was knocked onto his behind by the Lord. He's going and he's got his plans and things that he's going to do, and he gets knocked down, and he has a miraculous encounter with the Lord. And his heart is now turned towards Jesus. The one that he had been persecuting, he's now following after. His life is transformed in that moment. And he sits blind in Damascus, and he fasts for a few days. And Jesus, during this time, I imagine, is just working in his life. He's hearing from the Lord. He's hearing, you know, maybe he's replaying the the sins of his past. And he's replaying all of these things. And then the Lord sends Ananias to confirm some of the things that the Lord has been talking to Paul about during this time that he's going to be doing work for him going forward. And Ananias confirms this. And Jesus calls Saul to be his instrument to proclaim his name before Gentiles and kings and all of Israel. Now that's a pretty radical call into the ministry. Some people may hear a booming voice from the Lord to go and do this. Some people may, but let's look at another way. Because I would say this is perhaps a little bit more on the unusual side, but it's a a way that God would work nonetheless. So turn to Acts chapter 16. 
We're going to look at another way that the Lord calls into ministry. So at Acts chapter 16, we're going to look at verse 1 and read the first five verses. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. So here we see Timothy's call to ministry. And if you're reading this, and you compare it to Saul's, they're quite different, I would say. I would say they're vastly different. Timothy was a young man who was raised by a believing mother, and we learn from 2 Timothy that it wasn't just his mother, but that he, was, he learned and was raised in the faith, and that this faith was passed down from his grandmother to his mother, and finally to Timothy. And Timothy was a young man with integrity. He was following after the Lord, and he was well spoken of by the believers in that area. And as Paul had been ministering in that area, he noticed Timothy. And as they began to develop a relationship there, he wanted Timothy to be a part of the ministry team that he and Silas had as they preached from G- as they preached Jesus from place to place. They were going from town to town, just spreading the good news of the gospel. And they wanted Timothy to come along. So while we don't see an explicit call from God, we don't see the booming voice and we don't say, the Lord said to Timothy, we can understand and see that Timothy joined the ministry team of Paul and Silas and he began to travel with them. So being raised in the faith, and having a desire to walk with God and to serve him in everything, he responded to this call to proclaim Jesus. He felt this was the next step that God is calling and leading me into. And we know from several of Paul's epistles that Timothy became a wonderful pastor, that he was involved in several churches throughout the, that early Christian uh, landscape throughout Greece and Turkey, and he worked tirelessly to train and build up the saints. Now let's look at one more, starting there in verse 6 of that same chapter, chapter 16. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So this call is going to be even more implicit than the one that we just saw. But I think it is great value when we understand what's going on here. So let's take a step back, and I want you to think, who wrote the book of Acts? Anyone remember? Luke did, yes. And we know from Colossians 4.14 that Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. Now, 
up until this section of Acts, Luke is writing in that third-person narrative. And don't worry, I'm not going to get all Englishy on you. But he's writing in that descriptive narrative form where he's using a lot of he, she, they, them, him, her. All of those things is like those pronouns as he's describing what's going on. But all of a sudden, there's a switch in the narrative. Did you pick up on it in verse 10? And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Luke begins to insert himself into the narrative. Before he was that outside observer, and now all of a sudden he's in the action. Through his narrative, we see that he all of a sudden is part of it. He's saying we and us. Similar to Timothy, we don't observe an explicit call from God. Yet in Luke's situation, we observe that he, the physician, felt compelled to minister with Paul. He was compelled to switch from being a full-time physician to becoming a man who preached the gospel alongside the team of Paul and Silas and Timothy. And he began to travel with them wherever they went. And we also know that from a few of Paul's letters, Luke was a beloved fellow worker in the ministry that God had called him to do. So we see that there are some different ways that God can call people. He knocked Paul on his behind. Timothy grew up in the faith and he felt like that was the next step for him. And Luke made a major life transition as he went from being a physician and he felt compelled to now begin to do the work of the ministry. And on a personal level, I too have experienced this idea that the call of God can come at any time, at any place, and in any way. I was born and raised in the home of an Assemblies of God pastor. So uh, I jokingly will sometimes say that I had the AG tattoo on my forehead from the time I was born. I've been born and raised in Assemblies of God churches. I've lived throughout the Midwest. And for the first 15 years of my life, my identity was an AG pastor's kid. I knew how I needed to act, how I needed to behave. This is what you're supposed to do. And you, you just you knew what was expected of you. And as a family, we were at the church when the doors were open, which 30, 40 years ago, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, that was just to start because then whatever other special events and activities were going on, we were a part of that as well. And I loved Jesus. I, I truly enjoyed being part of the church, but I also had to make it my own as I grew and developed and, and matured. So in my youth, I, I loved Jesus. I was involved in Bible quiz and fine arts and worship teams, but I knew that I did not want to be a pastor as my vocation. <laughs> I never said never, because I know how that usually goes. But I said, this is not what I'm going to choose, because I felt like I needed to be called by God to actually do it. Otherwise, it wasn't going to work. I felt like there needed to be a calling in my life. So, as I entered college, I went to Marquette University, and I chose to go into business. Ultimately, I chose accounting because I liked math. I liked to work with numbers. 
Yes, you can put the, na- the nerd tattoo on the other part of my forehead. That would be fine. Um, but that was what I enjoyed doing. I loved solving math problems and, and doing those kinds of things. So even while I was pursuing accounting, I stayed plugged into the church. I was a commuter student, so I lived at home with my parents, and I went to classes. And in a sense, it was like high school plus. I just, it just had a different location because I just traveled there. I stayed involved in the youth and the music programs at our church. And then as I graduated from college, I entered the professional world. I got married and began a family. I wanted to keep serving in the church. That's always been something that's just been a part of my, my heart and, and desire. And Amy and I, as we first started off in marriage, we kind of had that similar viewpoint that we wanted to be part of what God was doing in the church. We wanted to serve as volunteers, and we both wanted to do so with excellence. We wanted to be a great support to our pastors and the church. Now, fast forward a few years, and due to normal transition within the church, I began to be the consistent worship leader uh, at our church. So as part of that, I was coordinating worship team rehearsals and leading the musical worship portion of the service. I was coordinating with the pastoral team regarding special services, the youth worship for Wednesday night services, the sound and presentation teams. I was beginning to be heavily involved in those things while still working my accounting job uh, during the day. So we get to around 2008, and I begin to sense that God is calling me to something more. And you know, you sometimes just have that thought, and you're kind of, well, that was weird. And so I, I heard it, and I just kind of marinated on it. I kind of said, okay, I didn't know exactly what God was wanting. I didn't know exactly what it was meaning, but I did feel God was calling me into ministry. Now, I would like to say that I jumped right at it. Uh, I jumped in with both feet. But I also said, I think I just need to sit with it for a little while. I need to understand and make sure that I have every, not everything planned out, but I need to understand what some of those ramifications were. Because at this point, 2008, I have a wife that I've been married to for almost 10 years. Uh, we now have three kids. Um, who would be like seven and under, um, we need to provide for the family. And as an AG pastor's kid back in the 70s and 80s, I knew that it wasn't a very lucrative uh, direction in life to go. So I knew that it would be a major change for us, that we were going to have to be definitely in sync uh, on this calling and this, this feeling and the direction. Well, we get to 2009, and it's probably the beginning of the year, and our church had a weekend seminar and a service with Dr. Carolyn Tennant from North Central University. And she spoke in our Sunday morning service, and I was just leading worship as normal, uh, just doing kind of the normal thing on a Sunday morning, both at the beginning of the service and then during the altar time, because she was talking about reviving our hearts and and our minds. And there was a great time of just being in the presence of the Lord at the end of the service. Well, during the altar time, she went and spoke with our pastor. She said, I need to talk to that guy when when this is all done. And after the altar time was finished, uh, Dr. Tennant and I had a, a conversation, and she was just wanting to you know, understand 
you know, who I was and what I was doing. And she asked a question, something along the lines of, have you ever considered going into ministry? And I said, well, uh, I've actually been feeling that tug for a little while, uh, but not sure what exactly it means. Not sure uh, if I'm supposed to do this or if, if, if God is wanting me to just look at a different way to minister. I wasn't sure, and I was trying to discern just what my thoughts were uh, and if the Lord was truly calling me. And she's, she confirmed, she said, I want you to know I really feel like the Lord is saying, you need to go into the ministry. You, the way that you are just operating with the Holy Spirit, I feel like you need to go into the ministry. And so we had that conversation, and I wanted to be certain and, you know, it's always nice when someone else can feed a little bit into you uh, because I held the office of pastor in very high regard. I knew that it was a big deal. I knew that it was, would be a big deal for our family. And I wasn't going to just do it flippantly and say, oh, let's just try this for a little while. You know, I can do, you know, I can do Sunday morning, sure. I wanted to know that the Lord was calling me, and yet I wanted to be open to what he was wanting to do. So she suggested that I get involved in courses that would guide me through the credentialing process of the Assemblies of God. So I began that process while still working in my accounting profession. I was at that time, I think I was at Johnson Controls. So I was a finance manager there and and just continuing to do that during the day, study and continue to be involved in in ministry at the church um, other times. And in May 2010, God opened the door for us to begin a bivocational position here at Portview Church. So we've been very blessed and fortunate to be able to make that transition. And I continued to work uh, at Johnson Controls, was helping here part-time, overseeing senior high and, and helping with the worship team and things like that. And then in June 2015, God provided the opportunity for me to come on staff full time. That it kind of took then that next level step and that it would be all in. Making a huge transition from a a, a accounting position with a Fortune 500 company to being a, a pastor at a local church. Yet God has been good and faithful through it all. And I, I don't ever regret just following the path that he's been leading for us. So like Luke, I have chosen to leave my full-time profession in the past and move into this area of ministry and try to build up the church to equip the saints, to be a part of helping people on their journey of faith. And what a rewarding thing that is, I can tell you for sure. So through the examples of Paul, Timothy, Luke, and even myself, we can see that the call of God can come at any time, at any place, and in any way. Now here's another observation for the book of Acts regarding his call to ministry. Despite your past, God can use you to accomplish his work in the kingdom. From time to time, I hear people say that God could never use me because of what I've done. And let me just tell you, God has a different perspective on that. If you go back to Acts chapter 9, we read the verses at the very beginning. He says, But Saul, still breathing threats, and murder 
against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now flip to Acts 26, and Paul's going to explain it a little bit further as to some of the things that he had been doing. Acts 26, verse 9, Paul is testifying about his former ways, and he says this, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them, even to foreign cities. Paul had opposed the early believers so much that he locked them up, he cast votes so that they would be condemned to death, he punished them, he tried to make them blaspheme and speak against the God and the Lord that they loved. He was a murderer and a hitman. Yet God called him and sent him to preach the gospel all over Israel, Turkey, and Greece. It didn't matter what his past was, God could still use Paul to minister in his kingdom. So no matter what your sordid past is, God can still use you. Whether you are 15, whether you are 85, or somewhere in between, or even on the outside of that spectrum, God can use you and he can still call you to do the work that he has for you to do. There is a lot of work to be done, and he will still call you. Some people also may feel that God can't use them because they have failed in kingdom work in the past. And for that sentiment, let me just hold up before you the man John Mark. On the Paul and Barnabas missionary journey, we know that they brought John Mark with them to assist them in the work that the Holy Spirit had them do. And for whatever reason... John Mark leaves them. All we get from scripture is John left them and returned to Jerusalem. We don't know exactly what happened, but he returned home. And we don't know what it is, but he left the team. He left the ministry work. And he may have been feeling like, I'm a failure. I don't know that I can do this. This is too difficult for me. But as Pastor Mark shared last week, we can read in Acts 15:37 through 39 that Barnabas wanted John Mark to be part of the next ministry work that they were about to do. God, through Barnabas, gave John Mark a second chance. And he said, I don't care what happened back here a few years ago. This is what I want you to do now. And John Mark responded, and he went with Barnabas, and they went to Cyprus, and they ministered there, And we don't hear a lot about the specifics of what they did. But we do know that he grew and matured in his own ministry through that process. He became a great asset in the church. Paul even commends him in 2 Timothy 4.11 as being very useful to me for my ministry. Through Barnabas' grace and encouragement, God strengthened John Mark. And he then ministered to numerous churches in that day. So God can use us no matter what our past is. And I have one final observation for us as we think about God's call to ministry and his kingdom work. And it's this. 
When God calls, take the call. Don't, don't silence it. Don't put it away. When God calls, take the call. Be open to what the Holy Spirit is leading you in your life. And that doesn't mean that you can't wrestle with it, that you can't try to discern and try to figure it out, but be open to the Holy Spirit's direction in your life. As you walk with the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to work in you, your heart should become more open to his guidance in your life. We find that we will submit ourselves more and more to him as we walk with him. And as we surrender our desires to him and pursue what he desires, he will reveal those things to us. It might be a full-time or part-time calling to work in the kingdom vocationally. It just might be. And when he calls, let's be open to the call and that we will obey what he has called or is calling us to do. We don't screen the call. We don't choose to not answer it. Nope, I'm not picking that one up. Instead, we listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit and we see his direction on how to proceed. Acts 13, 2 and 3 records this. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. These men who were gathered together, they were praying and they were fasting, and they heard collectively the Holy Spirit call Paul and Barnabas to a new work. They then continued to fast and pray, and I believe during this time they got a sense at least of what the next step was. Because guess what? Up until this point, there were no missions trips. They did the first one. They didn't have a pattern. They didn't have a model to follow after. They just followed what the Lord was leading them to do. They had a posture of openness to what the Holy Spirit was calling them to do. And in that vein, if someone is being called into the ministry, I have a final public service announcement that I want to give to everyone. There might be some people in here who are saying, well, I don't think any of this message applies to me at all. Maybe you're right, maybe you're not. But here's one takeaway that I think you should remember at all times, and I'm going to be very direct about it. So just know from the outset, I'm saying this in love, not in judgment or condemnation. But this is, I hope, an attitude that we can have as we hear about people being called into the ministry. And it's this. Don't coach your kid, your grandkid, or other people out of the call of God in their lives. Let me say that again. Don't coach your kids, grandkids, or other people out of the call of God in their lives. I've heard way too many stories of people who said, I feel God calling me into ministry. And they go home and parent grandparent, Aunt Susie, they come and they say, are you sure you want to do that? Like, why don't you get a real job? Or, you know what, I would pay for your college, but if you're going to go to Bible college, I'm not paying for that. It's time for us to be cognizant of the fact that God is calling people into ministry, and that is a high calling. We should, instead of chastising or condemning 
instead of squashing that call of God in their lives and berating them, let's encourage them. Let's pray for them. I know you love little Johnny or little Bonnie. You want the best for them. But I have this to say. God, who is infinitely more powerful and all-knowing, and he has everything under his control, he loves them immensely more than you do. And I, again, please know I am saying this with all love. Like, we should be encouraging and helping. Let's stand alongside them and help them to discern what God is calling them to do. Let's celebrate the work that God is doing in them and what he is wanting to do through them by the power of the Holy Spirit. God's call is real and it can be very powerful in a person's life. Let's champion those who are being called into the ministry and into the work that he has for them. It might be full-time ministry. It might be part-time. It might be just, I really feel God calling me to be an excellent volunteer. And I'm going to be part of this team. We don't know what it is, but we know that God continues to call. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come to the platform as we close. And as they do, would you stand with me this morning? Jesus has called us as his followers to be his witnesses wherever we go. The Holy Spirit may call us to do something beyond that even. He may call us to do the work of the ministry in a variety of capacities. Today, we have seen that the call of God can come at any time, at any place, and in any way. And that despite your past, God can use you to accomplish his work in the kingdom. So my encouragement and my plea this morning is just be open to his call. Be open to his prompting. Be open to whatever the Lord may be leading you to in your life. He has your best interest in heart. He has you right where he wants you. And he is holding you in the palms of his hands. And he's just wanting to lead you in the path that he has. So Heavenly Father, we come to you today with great thanks. We come to you with hearts that just give you honor and glory because you are in control. We thank you that You've given us your word and that we can still see that you are at work even now in 2022. You are at work in our lives. You are guiding and leading us. That you are still changing and transforming us. Lord, we thank you for providing laborers in the kingdom. We thank you for those men and women who have gone before us and those who are even here now who are following your call to be pastors and teachers and evangelists who equip the saints, who build up the body of Christ so that we can be the people that you have called us to be. And we thank you for the truth that you can use us, each and every one of us, to do kingdom work. No matter what we have done in our past, 
you have forgiven us. You have said, that is in the past. Let's move forward. So right now, we just come before you with hearts that are open to your voice. We come with open hearts to your prompting. Help us to surrender our will to yours and honor you with our lives.